What up? Hey, welcome back. Paper, pewter, plastic. I'm Joseph. I'm Ryan. Excited to have you guys here. Excited to have you here, Ryan. Oh, thanks, Joseph. <laughs> See, I just, I know how to take a fucking compliment. So I, just, <laughs> I just let that one sit. <laughs> Don't interrogate you about whether or not you mean it. Yeah, well, you know. I've known you longer than they have. That's fair. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Again, we're excited to have you here with us. Paper, pewter, and plastic. Episode three. Third full episode. Third, third full episode. Uh, today we're going to be going over the dragon. 3.5, you might even say. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, episode 3.5. Um Going over the dragon issue two. Um, I think as far as, you know, the magazines, the issues we've gone through so far, um, this is, I think, without a doubt, the the most underwhelming in terms of just D&D content. Yeah. Um, in that, terms yeah. of, really in, term of, in terms of games content, um, a lot of this issue is dedicated to the stories there's several short stories yeah um uh, one of which might you might call a novella it's long it's enough really it's, long it's yeah. not it's not quite that long it is a short story but it is still pretty long um yeah in terms of just pure D content this might be the weakest issue we've encountered so far i think yeah uh, um but we do kick it off I know you have a lot of thoughts about monks in D and D. Yeah, um, you have a couple players, or that, or at least one player that's been in a campaign with you playing monk. Yeah, um, for a couple years now. Um, so I know you have a you've had a lot of discussion about monks That's and a lot of thoughts about true. monks. So yeah. Ryan, I want you to really lead this, really yeah. lead this conversation. So this was an interesting little like thing of trying to to introduce the monk as a class into D&D. And they give a pretty sizable like class layout. Um I don't I'd be interested to sit down uh, as like a one shot with somebody and and see how this really like works mechanically, this specific iteration of the monk, but it's without a doubt that in general monks are a weird class in D and D and it's, that's been true from first edition up to fifth edition will almost certainly be true in sixth edition yeah. uh, that monks are a, a weird class that has a hard time, like appropriately fitting the mechanics of the game and also fitting the um like the thematic structure of the game like i i have a a player in my first edition campaign who is playing a monk um i've had a couple of other people play monks in one shots uh i had somebody play a monk in a a fifth edition game that i was playing in um and monks are a really interesting thing that always flops back and forth between being like something that everyone looks at and is like, oh shit, that's broken as hell. <laughs> or a thing where you look at it and you're like, well, that's 
totally unfunctional. Like you're just going to die. <laughs> uh, which at least in my, my first edition game, like uh, when they, when that player was deciding like what they wanted to be, um, they're like, look, I have read what a first edition monk looks like, especially at those low levels. This is, this is a death sentence character. These characters like are not going to make it. So he just full like turned into the skid on that and was like, yeah, I'm going to run headlong at every fucking combat. Uh, because if this dude lives, uh, he deserves it a hundred percent. And I, I think that's the, the big thing to like take away is like monks kind of can't be a, they're not a class that's for a player who thinks about their character survival as winning. Uh, cause yeah, you, you, you very, very, very likely won't. I think that might even still be true in, in fifth edition. I mean, fifth edition is less of a problem, but like they have to add an entirely different game mechanic with like the, the key mm-hmm. system for, for monks in fifth edition and first edition. It's a, it's a wild grab bag of stuff that they've handed to monks yeah. <laughs> just to try to make them work ish. Yeah. Uh, and I think in a, a certain respect, like they, they made them really difficult to survive into those higher levels as a way of kind of keeping you from playing. <laughs> it's like, I don't want to tell you no, but I am going to tell you that holy shit, this is hard. Yeah. Uh, which I'm sure only made more people play them because when I first read the first edition player's handbook and it has a whole paragraph where it's like, the monk is the most difficult and brutal class to play in advanced Dungeons and Dragons. Only the best players can make this work. And it's like, okay, well now I have to. Like, what the hell? Yeah. Don't. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was taunting you. Yeah, absolutely. It felt, I've definitely felt goaded into it. Yeah. Um, yeah, but this was an interesting little introduction to the monk as a class. You can, you can see some of the stuff that would come out in the, the monk in first edition. Yeah. Um, I also just, I really liked the little like drawings of the, the forms. Yeah. Um, they were, they were nice. I, they were just kind of charming and they're like, Goofy little, yeah, cute little diagrams of how to do martial arts. Yeah, and I, I mean, but very specifically, what this is looking at is, at least as I'm reading it, as I've as as I've read it, is more about leveling than it is about playing. That's yeah. how it, because he t- he's talking about it as promotional combat. So, or it's like. So I'm reading that as, okay, now you're graduating to level two. You know, now you're graduating to your, I don't know, your yellow belt. Yeah. And the, you know, the person that wrote it is very quick to say uh, that he is a novice in the martial arts. Yeah. (laughs) But I think it's, I think it's interesting, you know, that they want to exhibit their prowess and they want to have this type of inbuilt, in-game mechanic of having that type of graduating to the next level play. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really interesting element that shows up in 
the the first edition monk mm-hmm. where at a certain level i think it's eighth or ninth level uh you start having to beat somebody of that next level mm-hmm. in order for you to gain that level mm-hmm. uh you have to beat them in single combat and no other class has a requirement like yeah. that um and uh at you know at a certain level it's like oh there's only so many of these exist and i think that's a really cool element of the game is like handing you this stuff where you now have to come up you don't where it like it hands you these these little like mechanic elements that create really interesting and unique story possibilities right where like it's not just gonna be like all right, you have enough experience points. Here's your level. It's not even like, oh, just, you know, go to the nearest major city and train for a week and ta-da, you're whatever level. It's like, you have to figure out where this guy is. Yeah. You have to go to him. And then you have to fight him in single combat. And if you lose, you just drop back. Like You just don't, you don't progress. You have to like go back and... yeah and reassess and like redo that whole level. Um, And that's a really cool element because that, that whole thing has to be a side quest that has to be a downtime activity because you, you don't want to take, you know, four to eight people's table time just to watch one dude. Yeah level yeah (laughs) no i i mean i think some of my players might be like oh absolutely i want to fucking be there for that fight like i want to see that crazy shit but it's sort of like built in that yeah you're gonna have an entirely separate solo session that you know like everybody else is just like hanging out and getting drunk and doing whatever you know an adventuring party does in their spare time in your setting Mm -hmm. While the monk is like, I'm going to run several hundred miles to fight this old man who lives on top of a mountain. Yeah. And, and that shit is so, that's, that's so cool. That's such an interesting idea that creates so much story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, this is really interesting. It is intru- introduced, but it's interesting. It's interesting that it's introducing the specific mechanics of arena combat. Cause it's not just, yeah combat it's not just okay well you this is your ac this is my ac it's something much more rigorous and more yeah it's about your blocks it's about your movements so is it is it functional yeah maybe um i it could be a fun thing to try yeah Um, you know but i i'm not sure it's it's something that we would want to really really put in the middle of a game. Yeah. It being a sort of like separate solo side session. Very cool. Mm -hmm. It sitting in the middle of (laughs) like an already existing combat. Yeah. (laughs) It would be a lot. It's like, okay, well like how can I, okay, well I have to duck and I need to rest and jump back and reverse punch. And it's, you know, a lot of these, a lot of these moves and, Again, diagrams, lots of fun. Yeah, those those are a lot of fun. <laughs> but um, uh, 
as far as putting it within a game, I'm not sure it would be. It's definitely impractical, uh, yeah. even if it's highly functional. Yeah. Um, yeah. You have any more thoughts on that? I mean, I, I just think that it's it's interesting that, like, you know, this is an attempt to take care of a problem that is still a problem. That, yeah. like, getting the feel of the monk, getting the fantasy that you get out of that, like, martial arts structure um, mm-hmm. is kind of hard in in Dungeons & Dragons. Yeah. Uh, it still is. Um, makes me wonder if there are RPG systems that do that and do that really well. Yeah. Uh, so if anybody listening knows of anything that works really well for that, let me know. I very interested in that. Yeah. Yeah. Up next, we have the continuation of Garrison Ernst's, AKA Gary Gygax, um, the gnome cash. Yeah. You know, it, it takes up a lot of, of this. Yeah. I mean, it takes up just a couple pages. But again, it's just with how much more story there is within this issue, it, I think some of it could have been cut. Um, I'm not sure if 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 Garrison's uh, story needed to be continued in this one, but what do I know? Um, then more continuation of the very goofy search for the Forbidden Chamber um, with Ralph dimwit and lumbo it's very silly and yeah it's it's very you know it is it's it knows it's being silly yeah it's and i think it's fun and it it is fun in its own way it's got goofy illustrations which i appreciate yeah um but again it, it it is very very silly um we have some more uh gen con 9 updates Fits in a Ziploc bag. <laughs> Fits in a Ziploc zip bag. Um, Janelle Jacquet's uh, um, Dungeoning Society has uh, the name has changed. Yeah, now it's the Spring Arbor College Dungeoning Society. It's not just one hundred percent. It's not just oh, it's me, right? Me. Yeah. <laughs> it's like no, I'm at college. So. Yeah. One hundred percent. My favorite listing in this one is uh alternative recreational realities group at the university of hawaii uh that's a fantastic name that really is that's a 10 out of 10 name 10 out of 10 definitely would join that game 100 percent. i want to join that game by mail <laughs> through time i'm <laughs> yeah well, let's figure that out yeah yeah so this is you know um just sort of talks a little bit more about what's coming up at gen con 9 you know, then lot lots of ads for uh, for minis, and then some hints for D and D judges, uh, which you know we understand as as DMs now. Um, they were just sort of trying to settle on a name, yeah. and I know that Dungeon Master became more popular out on the West Coast, mm. um, and that's how. Dungeon Master became like the name. Yeah. But, um, you know, they were still hopping around. It was judges, referees, game master, games, masters, uh, dungeon masters. Yeah. Um, they were really hopping around. Very cool illustration here by Janelle. Yeah, I love that. Um, really cool little goblin, cool little sword. Um, 
I, I wish it was a little bit brighter, um, but it, it is very cool. Um, but some really interesting, some really interesting um, chests, some really interesting, um, some really interesting traps sort of mentioned within this article, which I do really appreciate that, um, that they're just trying to introduce, like, let's, let's have traps that aren't necessarily harmful, yeah. um, which is, which is an interesting concept, right? A, a trap, but you know, it's like the only good things from this trap, you know? Yeah. So it's sort of a weird, it's weird language to use. Um, but it, it's cause we would just think of that now as a puzzle. You're talking about puzzles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, Oh, you know, there's a, there's a skeleton in one corner of the room. And if you put all of its bones together, it comes alive and helps you. Yeah. But you know, you might, or you might just think of it as, Oh, it's this dangerous thing. Yeah. Um, so you're not going to even go near it. Yeah. So, I mean, I use skeletons in my games just because they're they're ob- they're obvious little bad guy things. So something like this would be pretty interesting to be like this reanimated skeleton being like, let me help you open the door, bud. Yeah. <laughs> He's from the Midwest, of yeah. course. You know. <laughs> Whoop. Oh, oh, let me scooch on past you there. Um, but yeah, a co- cool little table. Um, cool little table that comes out of this. Um, how this... Uh, chest might work you know it's either uh it's a normal chest or it's a spring-loaded daggers you know or or, uh basically what amounts to uh, a mimic you know um oh it's an intelligent chest uh that has ninth level spells yeah you know (laughs) it's like oh crap you know um you know it's pretty interesting it's pretty interesting to to look at but again it's 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 really basic and really straightforward sort of yeah. Uh, I mean, trap and puzzle making, but it's also something that a lot of people still advice. struggle yeah, with yeah. and it is really solid advice. Yeah. Um, so I, I do op- definitely recommend uh, tracking this down and, you know, and then there's just other, other, um, other treasures that you could put around and, of course, a few of them are, you know, it's Hobbit's pipe and different kinds of pipe weed. And, yeah. You know, the ring of infravision or the bag of infinite wealth. Yeah. Uh, that would be interesting. Especially in a game where, like, the money you get is your experience. Yeah. Is that a thing you give when your party is just, like, taking forever yeah. to level up? You're just like, I'm just Take, take Here, the damn money. Bag of infinite wealth. Take the damn. But money. it's interesting because it's not. It's not just. It doesn't just generate the money. It changes something into the money. Into the money. So yeah. it is an interesting mechanic that it's not just generating a hundred gold pieces yeah, every yeah, yeah. day. That you actually have to. I kind of wonder. Maybe like, feed it some kind of base. Yeah, metal. I kind of wonder if like that could really fuck up a party, especially it, if you're playing. <laughs> Like, especially if you're playing in a game where, like, keeping track of, like, how much food you have, keeping track of how many torches you have, you shove all your fucking torches in there, and then it's like, nope, yeah, it's just cold coins. You're yeah. like, well, great, except we're gonna die in here now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, it is an interesting, it's an interesting treasure. Yeah. Interesting treasure. Um, and then we have this great thing where... Uh, this is on page 13, continues on page 26. I am so, can <laughs> can I take a second to just like the, the, 
the layout of just what pages things are on in this particular issue of the dragon was insane to me. I had such a hard time making sense of where things continued and where they were continuing from. And it didn't really make sense to me why some things were like, why did this one stop here? was not clear to me. This has always been my big problem just with, with old, older magazines in particular. And part of it is just, it had to deal with how they were in putting ads into a page. Yeah. It wasn't being done in, in design or yeah. affinity. I mean, they were physically pasting things onto the page a lot of the time uh, before, you know, sending it to the printers. Um, so like, I get it. I get that this happens like, well, we have to put this whole thing in, you know, it's been type. Yeah. But it's also, it is one of those things that I think is, can be very confusing. And, um, it is, it is very confusing. Um, next up we have the, the longest thing in this whole issue, uh, is a short story by Gardner Fox, uh, the shadow of a demon, which is pretty good sword and sorcery short story. Yeah. I liked it. Um, Gardner Fox, um, a kind of a legendary character in his own right. Mm. Um, he created um, a couple characters you may have heard of for uh, what at least became Detective Comics: uh, The Flash, Batgirl. Yeah. Um, created the Sandman, which was later sort of retconned by Neil Gaiman. And sort of now there's these two within the DC universe, these two very distinct sand men, (laughs) you know, there's Morpheus of the endless. And then there's the Sandman who's running around with a gun and, and, you know, fighting off these evil nightmares that emerge from the dream world, you know? So it's, it's interesting. Um, But this story itself, um, not really a lot to say. I mean, it is, if you've read, short pulp fantasy fiction from this era. Um, it's pretty easy to see like how it's going to emerge and what the plot points are going to be. Um, but it is, it is a fun story. It is a good story to just sort of look at and read. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's, it's the most well-written piece of short fiction um, that we've seen. Um, interesting illustrations as well. Yeah. I really liked the illustrations that, uh, yeah. went along with, with this short story. Yeah. It's interesting to me that for the dragon, they, they, especially reading this, like right after reading some white dwarf, how much fiction there is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think that's really, that's an interesting element that like they, it's at least like Gary Gygax really thinks that like you should, read fiction and pull from fiction yeah. all of your your ideas for how you want mm. to run your D&D game. Yeah. Um, and to spend time, like, spend time and to spend, like, page space. Yeah. Uh, giving you fiction that you can use as fuel mm. for uh, what, what sorts of things you want to see in your in your games. Yeah. I mean, it's also good to keep in mind the time difference between that first issue 
of White Dwarf and yeah. these first issues. That's true. This is a couple years difference. Yeah. So that first issue of White Dwarf, they're talking about things that happened at you know Gen Con eleven. Yeah. Whereas the ads within this are still like Gen, Gen Con, Con 9. nine. You know. So I mean, yeah. it's it is a couple years difference. Yeah. Um. So it's it. So it'll be interesting to see, like, once we catch up time-wise. Um, yeah, are we still... You know, what What does the dragon look like in 1977 yeah. compared to what does it look like, uh, compared to what it looks like now in 1975? Yeah. Um, it is very different. Um, I'm sure it's going to be very different. Yeah. But we can see that difference within comparing White Dwarf and... Absolutely. The dragon. The dragon. Um, Which is also... a. A wild logo. Oh, it's so it's. <laughs> it was a, a little it, bit hard to see on the first issue, but this one, it's yeah, really it's, clear. Yeah, it's, it's very, very clear. It's you know, it's a lot of. It's just very green. <laughs> it's just very, very green, green and very like very seventies. Yeah, it, there's a lot happening. Yeah, but it, you know, it's a lot of the charm. I think of these these early, these early issues in particular is is the art that is in issues and yeah particularly on the covers i think a lot of the charm of the old dragon magazine is is its art and it's its own subculture yeah within within um people into old school gaming people just really into the art yeah even even if it's not great yeah um, there there is like there's still a charm to it because it's very authentic it has this authenticity yeah there's a sincerity yeah and they were like i just i love this game and i want to draw my game yeah to draw my character i mean i i definitely i can definitely relate to that because i i absolutely love all of the characters and all of the stories that have come out of yeah my D &D games at at my table um yeah i I do avoid trying to draw them because (laughs) i am a i am fucking terrible i can't draw at (laughs) all it would be horrible maybe i should try yeah just try and see how it goes i mean you know it could be a lot of fun. It'd be experiment fun and doing an experiment. authentic old school D and D art. From, yeah, is, is just, somebody who's just like, just I really love these characters. I love this situation that happened, yeah, but I, I have, have I have to draw. It. I have yeah. to draw it. I just yeah. yeah. I was I was trying to do just like one major thing from that my character did in a in each game for a while. Like yeah, when I was playing as my mouse character. Yeah, you know when I you know shot that crossbow you know, um, which was wild. Or when I jumped off that roof and <laughs> critted oh, and yeah. killed that, uh, troglodyte. Yeah. That was wild. That was wild. Um, so, but that was one of those just perfect moments. Yeah. Um, but you know, just imagine a mouse jumping off of a, a roof onto a troglodyte and cutting its throat. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. I mean, that that feels like it belongs on the cover of a white dwarf. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It should at least be at least a, a quarter page of the dragon. Yeah, just down in the bottom. Just right down in the just bottom. People chilling. are like, "What the hell is that? Is that a mouse? Is that a mouse killing a troglodyte? That's crazy. Is that sword made out of a, a piece of broken glass? Yeah. What the hell is that? <laughs> yeah, is that a sprite bottle? <laughs> um. This is an interesting article uh, by Lynn Harpold um, about uh, Quetzalcoatl, yeah, um, the the feathered serpent, uh, and it's it's really just a historical and and um, look at the 
the mythology or or the religious belief of the Aztecs in in Quetzalcoatl, and it's in its own way, it's just it's an interesting read, and you can tell that they're put it, but you can tell that they're putting it in here because they want you to draw from it and put it in your game. Yeah, they want you to be like, oh yeah, no, this this should be like your religious cult in this like un, unexplored part of the world, and this is what the temples look like, and this is what this god looks like. Yeah, you know, and then you know, and then you know, it gets into like, oh, they're aliens, actually, you know. Yeah. <laughs> And you know that's one of those, one of those things. Um, that way ahead of their time, <laughs> ancient aliens. Let's yeah, go. No, but yeah, uh, I, mean, I mean, this is really one of those ancient alien moments. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and and you can tell that's what they're trying to do. And there's you know some levels to that being a possibility and being okay within games. But you know now, I think we're a little bit more aware of maybe some some cultural issues that may arise from that. Yeah, you know, treating I mean, something as just fully alien and fully well, yeah, that's you yeah. know, and I, I think that's that's something that we need. That I think the game, the OSR community in particular, has been very conscious of, uh, even in approaching these old school games and trying to remain very authentic to the old school um, ethos and the old school sort of feel. They're still also trying to not really just be like everything's up for grabs. Um, we do want to have some. Yeah, some um, respect when we do treat these things. So, yeah. um, but it, you know, I think it's a, it's, it's an interesting thing uh, to draw from, draw from old mythologies or old ancient religions. You know, I I never think it's necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. I mean, it comes down to uh, like what your relationship to those, those things are uh, and the, the people for whom, those either were or like still actively are yeah. uh, meaningful um, like religious structures. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But it's interesting. And it, 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 but it's interesting to see it uh, in this early issue of the dragon. Um, and I know it comes up later. I know that there are more and more of these types of articles as the dragon continues. Yeah. And it is, but it's very, it's much more apparent that they want, to draw from them and they'll, but they give you stats, you know, they're like, here's the stats for this God or this yeah. high priest. Like, Oh, you want to fight the historical Montezuma? Like, yeah. Okay. Here's his stats. Here's a stat block. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he's tough. He's tough. You're going to have a hard time. You're going to have a hard time. He's a hard motherfucker. That's for sure. <laughs> um, yeah. And you know, it's just, there's a lot of story, a lot of things happening. Uh, we do have um, a little bit later on in this issue uh, the Rimeraz. Yeah, I, I really liked this illustration of the Rimeraz. Yeah, Errol Otis. Yeah, uh, with a phenomenal, phenomenal dra- drawing of the Rimeraz. Um, has a full stat block uh, for original Dungeons and Dragons. But you know, it's interesting to note that the Rimeraz is in the fifth edition Monster Manual. It has continued. Yeah. Uh, from this first appearance in the dragon all the way through to the most contemporary version of the game. Yeah. Um, it's a classic. It is a classic monster. And so it's really interesting to see it um, as it first appeared and, and sort of like where they think it would, would appear. So it's, 
it's really interesting. It's a fun drawing. You know, we have some more ads. The Ring Bearer. Yeah. The Ring Bearer, uh, second edition, already in its second edition in 1975. Um, you know, there's a, again, this a lot of reliance on, on Tolkien in, in that period of yeah. fantasy gaming. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was a really big cultural feat um, at that point. Um, but it it is... It is really interesting to see like how many people were just making things, you know, the Battle of Five Armies, the Ring Bearer. Yeah, you know, they're they're not. It's not. This is not Frodo Baggins. It's the Ring Bearer. It's the Ring Bearer. There the is, Ring Bearer could be anyone. Yeah, the power of you. the Dark Lord. Who is that? I yeah. don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, very interesting. Yeah, um, a lot of fun to see emerge. Oh yeah, the uh, the alchemist class. Yeah, the alchemist. So with the first issue, we saw uh, the artificer. Yeah. First appear. Yeah. Um, here we have uh, the alchemist, which later later appeared as a subclass to the artificer. I don't think it actually was in any of the um, any of the other editions. No, it was here, so. and yeah. then it emerged in fifth edition. Yeah. Later on. With when they redid Eberron, yeah. Um, but the writer here, uh, jo- John Pickens, of this article did did some work at least into third edition. So some again, some of that legacy, yeah, I think continued. Yeah the this class is definitely way more player facing. Like the mm-hmm. the artificer in that first issue. Your players were never supposed to see that, or yeah, like that the the artificer was just supposed to be like a a thing of nightmares to your players. But this definitely feels like it's a fully yeah. put together class that they want you to maybe put in front of your players and be like, "Hey, you want to, yeah, you want to you want to make some lead into gold, my dude? You know, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, you know, you want to find the philosopher's stone? Huh? Yeah, you want to become immortal, my guy." Yeah, let's do it. Let's fucking do it. Um, yeah, it's a very interesting. I mean, this. I mean, this has a lot of levels. Yeah, uh, I mean, there's a lot of levels. Uh, let's, it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot of levels. Um, but it's, you know, it's interesting. You know that he's making poisons and he's making potions and he's, yeah. Um, and that's a thing that I, I've definitely seen in my games where people. Players want, they're like, how do I learn how to do this mm-hmm. so I can just do this shit on my own instead yeah. of paying exorbitant fees for someone to make poison for me? Yeah. How do I just, how do I make poison? You know, um, I usually just let them like take some downtime to try to learn how to do it yeah. and um, just test on themselves. Yeah. <laughs> really rolling the dice there. <laughs> yeah. <know>? Real, <laughs> really rolling the dice. Yeah. Um, um but yeah, the idea of like making it a whole class is really interesting. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, I could maybe see trying to. Yeah, it it is a really, a really interesting class, but and it's really interesting that it didn't catch on because it seems like something that would catch on. Yeah, um, with with some of the abilities it has, like detect poison or neutralize paralyzation. Yeah. Um. So. It it is interesting, but again, it's not. 
it it's fleshed out, but it needs to be more fleshed out. Yeah. Um, which it never was. And so as a result, it never, um, I mean, that's, that's likely why it never caught on, but, um, it does seem like something that would have caught on and now, um, is more codified than it was previously. But I mean, it does have a lot of its potions and the explanations of the potions. Yeah. So it's, it's an interesting piece. And John Pickens also talks a little bit about, uh, weapon damage. um, Yeah. In, in this, um, because he's trying to replace the system from Greyhawk. Yeah. Uh, that was the supplement in yeah, yeah. Um, OD&D. So, you know, it's interesting. It's interesting to see it um, laid yeah. out this way. The The idea of different damage based on how well you understood how to use the weapon mm-hmm. is pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think the, like, weapons proficiency is a perfectly doable system, but um, having this structure was really interesting to like, look at and think about. Um, It's right in, in first edition, you get different damage based on the the size of the the creature you're fighting um, rather than the, your proficiency or expertise with that, that weapon. But yeah. Yeah. And then the advertisement, the advertisement for the, yeah. the last, the last D&D, D&D, D&D supplement. supplement. Yeah. Uh, Gods, Demigods, and Heroes by Kunsan Ward. Um, yeah, you know, here, you know, here we're, we're seeing uh, for the first time um, in D&D, um, you know, that they were incorporating um, gods of mythologies. And this later, of course, became um, Gods and Demigods. The Legends and Lore. Legends and lore. Yeah. Um, you know, we see a lot of that in in uh, later editions. That's really the whole issue. It's it's yeah. it's honestly because of the length of some of the stories, there's not a lot of space for games content within yeah. this issue. Yeah. Um it's I think it is definitely the weakest issue uh, that we have looked at so far. Also um, the second issue. So. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, uh, but I mean, in terms of just all of the, yeah, you know, all yeah. of the things we've looked at, um, it is it is weak, but it is it is interesting. Yeah, the stuff that's there is really interesting and really yeah. useful. Um, it's just how much of it is there is mm-hmm. is kind of the the, the the thing at question. Yeah, yeah, but. But that's that's it's still a fun it. read. I, yeah, it was a fun. It was a fun issue. Yeah, um, I did enjoy the stories, and I don't yeah. mean to take away from that. Yeah, um, but as it is, uh, that's it. That's the issue. Yeah. Um, what do we have coming up next week, Ryan? Uh, is is next week? Next week is uh, White Dwarf number two. White Dwarf number two. Yeah. Very good issue. Yeah. Very good issue. Very excited to talk about that one. Um, there's a lot happening in that one. Um, and there's some some uh, some good good promise for uh, a cup two weeks from now. The dragon number three, as we see in this ad. Yeah. Uh, the penultimate character subclass. <laughs> a plethora of obscure character subclasses. Yeah. Um, women and magic. Oh. Yeah. We'll, um, we'll we'll get there when we we'll get, get yeah there. we'll talk about that when we get there. <laughs> but we are excited to talk about it with you. Thanks for joining us. Yeah. Um, 
you can follow us on Instagram at Paper Pewter Plastic. And you can find us, find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. And uh, all those links are going to be available on Anchor and Stitcher, and you can find us from there. But such as it is, thanks for joining us. We're excited that you're here, and we are absolutely excited for you to continue joining us for this ride. Absolutely. See you later. Peace.